This is episode 301 of the Wrestling Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Josh Wiener, along with Seth Zillman and Jarrett Aubrey. And on this episode, we discuss the chaos in AEW. Plus, we will review Clash at the Castle, Worlds Collide, and All Out. Hey, OJ Will, get us started. What up? This is Josiah Williams, and you're listening to the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, where wrestling and pop culture collide. Yeah. Welcome in to episode 301. And apparently the wrestling gods are all jealous of our fantasy booking because they keep implementing events that prevent us from discussing it. So unfortunately, due to the chaotic nature of the wrestling news of the past several days, plus discussing all the wrestling that went down over Labor Day weekend, we have to unfortunately postpone our fantasy booking results and cards yet again. I'm not going to say what episode they're going to come out. The plan is just to do them soon. And when things die down enough to allow us to talk about it, we will have it for you right here on the podcast. But before we can get there, we have to finish up here and we're going to get into all the crazy news, all the results, all the shows. But before we can do any of that, Seth, Jarrett, how the hell are you? Well, I know it's been a pretty light news week here. So I guess we'll just have a nice casual discussion about these shows. <laughs> now, I, I can only put on that joke for so long, but uh, I said a couple times it's a very interesting time to be a wrestling fan and boy there's been some poop hitting the fan so it, it kind of sucks that we have to put back put our fantasy booking back a week but to be brutally honest there's been stuff with classic wrestling memories that train and i'll try to do and we're going to do it the next episode then something big happens and then we're decide we're going to do it in the next episode then something big happens Unfortunately, one of those things that we were going to do that we kept delaying was a show on Harley Race. And then Harley Race passed away, so we were kind of forced to do one. <laughs> but uh, fortunately, I don't think anybody involved with this story is passing away anytime soon. So um, we'll uh, we'll definitely have an interesting discussion here. I have been wondering that for the past week or so, well, actually, maybe for the past month or so since... Uh, a certain person with a bunch of H's in his name took over at WWE. But if we're living in like wrestling bizarro world, because all of a sudden WWE is the place to be and AEW is all this backstage heat and tension and no one knows what the hell's going on. And it's like the rules have flipped and between all the wrestling and all the matches and all the happenings over the weekend. And then plus the scrum business in and everything going on at AEW, this is going to be one hell of a show to discuss and dissect and talk about things. And, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, guys.
I'm not going to bore everybody, panelists included, by just reading a whole bunch of reports because they came in fast and furious over the last 72 hours and there's just too many of them. So I'm going to summarize and try to use a logistical timeline to get us to the discussion. So all out happened Sunday night. Actually, you know what? Before, I'm going to vent just a little bit before we get into this news. I was checking for tickets because as of Thursday, they had said, oh, there's 544 tickets left. I'm like, well, if that's the case, maybe I can snag some. Well, I checked on Thursday and Friday and they were at 135 apiece still. So I'm like, okay, no. I checked Sunday, no, Saturday night and Sunday morning. They had gone down to $80 was the cheapest ticket. And I'm like, eh, it's still a little too much because two people minimum, you're looking at 160 minus the fees. So I'm like, eh, no. So I just decided I was just going to watch from home, not being there. And so then Monday comes along and there's pictures posted on Facebook Nicole's showing me the pictures, and I'm like, okay, well, who went? Oh, one of my coworkers. He looked online at 4 o'clock and got tickets. I'm like, what? This guy got tickets at 4 in the afternoon, two hours before the pre-show started, for $40. And if you wanted to sit in the quote-unquote nosebleeds, which really there aren't any nosebleed seats, you could have had them for $25. And I was pissed. So Nicole's like, well, now you know for next year. I'm like, that doesn't help me this year. So. I, I can only assume those would have been seats on the hard camera side uh, out of view of most cameras, because that's usually the seats that get opened up very later. Those are the last ones to to go out there. So because. It, it happens every now and then because I remember discussions with uh, people online about getting cheap tickets or even free tickets or if you just show up and it's just like, yeah, but they're, they're usually seats on the hard camera side. You might have something blocking your, your view or something like that. It's, it's a common practice for that to happen. Granted, if I knew that they were 20 or 20 or 40 bucks, I probably would have gone, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was probably seats in the hard camera side, which the reason why those are the last to go is because people like to see themselves on TV when they go to something that's on TV. I ain't got to see nothing but what I came to see. So <laughs> as long yep, as I'm here. not near the pyro, I don't care. Let's go to a show and get burned. Yeah, right. And deaf. All right. Well, Josh and Seth not going aside. All out happens Sunday night. The main event happens. Punk wins the title back. And we get the ending that we get. And we'll get into it in the review of the show. But that ending is quickly forgotten because of the post-pay-per-view incidents. And the first one is something that normally occurs, and it's the media scrum where Tony Khan sits up at the table in front of the media and various wrestlers who performed on the show come up there and they talk. 
Well, it was CM Punk's turn. I think he kicked off the scrum, if I'm not mistaken. And he starts going off on Colt Cabana and his relationship with him. Now, nobody asked him about it. He just decided this was the time to vent about it. So he goes off on him. Tony Khan is sitting there uncomfortably next to him, tries to intervene a couple of times, and Punk puts his hand out like he's a parent driving a car and protecting his child with a arm seatbelt. Uh, then he goes off on Hangman Adam Page, and he goes off on the EVPs, which are Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. So the scrum with Punk ends. Tony is very uncomfortable the entire time. Punk goes away. Other people come in. And while this is happening, that other people are being interviewed, allegedly there's a backstage altercation that happens in CM Punk's locker room involving Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Ace Steel, CM Punk, Ace Steel's wife, and Larry the Dog, I think, were all the primary people involved. Other people who ended up breaking things up or attempting to keep the peace or whatever, Pat Buck, executive producer, Michael Nakazawa, who's part of Kenny's crew, um, uh, Brandon Cutler. Christopher Daniels, I think, was yeah, involved as well. Christopher Daniels, yeah. So all these people... There's a whole bunch of he said, he said going on and as to the order of the events or what happened or the Bucks kicked the door in, the Bucks didn't kick the door in. There's a whole bunch of variations of what happened. But the gist is this. Nick Jackson got almost knocked out from a flying chair thrown by Ace Steel. Kenny Omega had his hair pulled and was bit by Ace Steel. And Punk threw some punches at Matt Jackson. So these are the reports of what had happened. And everybody assumes that the Bucks and Kenny took Punk up on his scrum offer, which was, if you have a problem with me, come find me. So they did. And this happened. And... So Tony then, within 24 to 48 hours, hands out suspensions to everybody who was involved. And that goes all the way down to Christopher Daniels and Pat Buck and Brandon Cutler and everybody who was involved, whether they were in the melee or trying to keep the peace or break it up, whatever, everybody's suspended. Titles were then also stripped. And thank God they didn't go the interim route. But uh, Tony Khan comes on the beginning of Dynamite in a recorded uh, segment where he's clearly reading off a teleprompter and says that he uh, is being he's forced to strip or have or I'm sorry, he says vacate. He's vacating the AEW world title and the AEW trios titles. He goes on to say that the trios titles will be, uh, the champions will be determined 
in the trios match that was already pre-booked for Dynamite, and that was Death Triangle taking on the best friends. And he introduced a tournament of champions that will take place over the next two weeks while they're in New York on Dynamite and Rampage and culminate at um, Arthur Ashe Stadium in two weeks. So we can get into the tournament and all that stuff you know, later on, but just from everything that you have heard or read, and if you, if you haven't, then the, you, all you have to do is look online. It's all over the place. And uh, before I get your guys' comments, just uh, one little note is that if you take away the scrum and you take away the altercation, Tony would have still had to have stripped Punk because he tore his tricep in the match before the scrum even started, and he has to have surgery, and he's out six to eight months and reportedly suspended during that time, which is like telling a pitcher in baseball he's suspended for 10 days when he only would have pitched two out of those 10 days. But neither here nor there. What are your guys' thoughts on everything that happened backstage at AEW? Well, where to start? This is definitely an ugly situation. There's no easy answer. I'm not even going to try to rationalize what each side was trying to think because none of us were there. We don't know what happened. I, I almost laughed out loud when I heard that the Bucks kicked the door down or something like that. What, what they super kicked the door or something like that? You know, and <laughs> probably. Uh, you know, doors like that, you don't just kick in. You know, the, 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 this isn't a uh, door between the, the the bedroom and the hallway or something like that. You know, the, these are pretty big, thick doors. Uh, as far as punk, um, look, I, I said last week that I was pretty sure that everything going on here was a work because I'm suspicious of any news that comes along about a wrestling promotion being a work. WCW showed that they did all those kind of inside things, thinking it would build interest, and it never did. WCW's dead. Maybe the rigor mortis is rubbing off on AEW right now because it's. it seems like that was the type of thing they're trying to do, go for too much inside information. Uh, the one thing I can truly understand is all the suspensions because I know there's a lot of people here like Christopher Daniels, one of my favorite wrestlers and all these other names. So why were they suspended or anything like that? Well, I think it comes down to until we know exactly what happened, you, the best way to treat everybody fairly is to do the same thing to everybody, which in this case is suspending until the investigation is complete. So I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying I think I can understand why these people were suspended when they probably had no actual dog in the fight or any side between the conflict. Uh, going back to the situation building up to this where Punk did that supposed shoot promo on Adam Page and it, telling him to come out right now for a match. I never understood that. Uh, but what I did think was part of a work 
was if you go back to when we were talking about Double or Nothing, if I recall correctly, I was saying that I think Punk was turning heel then because one of the things that upset Punk was Hangman saying how Punk was, I don't know if he used the term cancer specifically, but he was basically accusing Punk of being bad to the locker room and he was fighting on behalf of the locker room. Well, if Punk is turning heel in storyline, then that would vindicate Hangman's statements there. It would vindicate that promo. And obviously that didn't happen, and things happened the way they were. He broke his foot. We got Moxley, who wound up doing some of the best work of his career in the last couple months here. And then that brings us to this situation here. And like I said, there's no easy solution here. I'm not even going to try to justify what anybody did because none of us were there. We don't know what was going through their heads. Uh, It's just what Punk did where he likes, he starts the press conference by bringing up Cole Cabana and basically dissing the promotion while the owner of the company is sitting right next to him. That is uh, not exactly smart. It takes balls, don't get me wrong, it takes major balls, but it also is not very smart. And that is one of those things that I can understand somebody being terminated on the spot for doing stuff like that. Now, it still may make him a martyr, Punk in this case, over over what he said in some fans' eyes, because I know there are people out there who think CM Punk can do no wrong, and he's been uh, misunderstood this whole time, blah, blah, blah. But that was very unprofessional. That's that's literally one of the most unprofessional things I've heard of as far as wrestling goes. Goes back to the WCW analogy, WCW rubbing, rubbing off. So I probably won't have a true opinion on this until more facts come out. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, but it's a pretty safe bet. We're not going to see Punk in AW anytime soon. I mean, obviously he's injured again, so he can't wrestle. If something were to happen to Kenny and the Bucks over this, if they were to be uh, fired or whatever, terminated, they have options. You know, they can go back to New Japan. It probably wouldn't be uh, any big deal for them to go back to New Japan. Punk, you know, he definitely burned a bridge with WWE. And I think he may be one of those guys who may have a harder time getting back with Triple H uh, in charge instead of Vince. I may be wrong about that, talking out of my butt when I'm saying that, because obviously, again, none of us were there when Punk left WWE, but Hunter was, and he knew what happened there. So I guess I'll just have to take a wait-and-see approach. Those were kind of my knee-jerk reactions. And... uh Hopefully the cooler heads will prevail. We'll get a uh, rejuvenated, uh, happy locker room. Because when locker room morale is low, I think it does make uh, working the job harder. I think we've all been there. Maybe not in wrestling, but we've probably all been there in various jobs over our careers. And uh, I just hope the truth comes out quickly. And whatever justice needs to be done is done. Jared, before you jump in, uh, Seth, when you said 
the best thing to do is to treat everybody fairly and the same and just suspend everybody. I immediately thought of the major league movie franchise where uh, there's infighting within the Indians dugout. They're all fighting each other instead of fighting the other team. And the umpires said, one umpire says to the other, what are you going to do? Are you going to eject all of them? He's like, yeah, all of you out of here. <laughs> and he ejects 25 <laughs> players. But I digress. So, wow. Yeah, this is. Yeah. Yeah. All, the, what a great movie, though. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit outside. <laughs> that Major League Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And um, what was I thinking about the other day? Uh, my top three of damn it. I can't even remember what it was now. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was a really weird sense of humor anyway. Um, and I digress. Uh, so this, this is huge. This is this is monumental. This is ginormous. This is whatever you want to call it. So what what I saw that I'm going to contradict you guys for just a sec, but the the clip that I saw or the whole part of the punk thing that I saw was he didn't just show up and go off on on uh, Cole Cabana. There's a guy in the audience that brought it up and punk was talking to him. It's like, why are you, you know, are, are you affiliated with him? Is he your buddy or something? I can't remember what exact words that were used. And the guy finds like, well, yeah, I'm a journalist, but I'm, I'm friends with Cole Cabana or whatever. And then that's when punk just lost his shit after that. Um, well, let me, let me jump in here. Uh, cause I saw the beginning of it. Cause if you saw the AW side of it, uh, that was on their official Facebook or, or uh, not on Facebook, uh, YouTube. It kind of starts with punk, like in mid promo, you might say, I think Denise Salcedo has it from the beginning. It's like punk actually asked one of the, one of the journalists is like, are you still doing improv? And he's like, no, but what you knew doing improv, who are you doing with? Oh, well, I was doing it with Scott Colton. It was Cobana. And that's, it's like punk actually initiated the talk to it. That's, that's why my knee jerk reaction when I was watching this was that it was a work because it's like, why would he just suddenly go into promo mode on Colcabana when nobody asked about him? So I, I, I don't want to, I didn't want to step in your time. I didn't want to talk down to you or anything about it. it oh. Yeah. It, it was punk just basically sat down and just started talking about Colcabana. And I, that, that just blew my mind as to why anybody, why you'd want to do that. <laughs> All good. <laughs> But what, damn, that, that, that was, that was a promo of promos. Um, but I, I, I don't believe it was just a promo. What I, I'll, I'll I like what you said, Seth, I'm going to comment on what I saw. I, I don't know what happened in the hallway. I don't know what happened in the fight. There's all kinds of reports. Like we've said, um, I don't know who kicked what door in. I don't know, you know, if actually we got bitten, whatever, all, all those reports, what I saw, I, I know what I saw in the interview and so this, <laughs> and you guys are gonna hate me because you're Chicago guys, but CM Punk is a piece of shit. Okay, <laughs> to to go live in a press conference after an event, bury a guy Cole Cabana that is still part of the organization, whatever your personal relationship with him or not is, right? As he's he's still an ROH to bury a recent former champion in Hangman Adam Page. Of you guys, if he caught that and how he was saying what, what a what a dumbass he basically was for for not taking advice from from legends around, 
uh, around the company. Empty headed dumb fuck. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm paraphrasing everything here, folks. So feel free to jump in and, and give me the exact words. So there's that. I, I don't know what the beef is with Omega and the Young Bucks. And he just said, you know, the, the EVPs had no clue what they were doing. They were clueless, stupid, whatever. So I, I don't I don't know what the situation is that brought those comments on, like whether there was booking issues or whatever the, the deal was. So I, I can't speak to those comments. What I got out of this press conference was CM Punk sitting there burying everybody in AEW while Tony Khan sits there and is made to look like a little bitch. And, and Seth, he talked about this grounds for termination immediately. Absolutely. I, I probably, uh, if I was Tony Khan, I'm probably not going to do anything in the press. I got to get through the press conference. I've got more talent to introduce. Um, I got some more hype to do. Following the press conference, though, I, I'm I'm firing him immediately and without without question, without remorse. Gone. That is <laughs> not not only is he making other talent look good, he's making me as the CEO of the company look like a little bitch that can't control anything. Furthermore, what I would have done as Tony is, rather than that pre-taped um, reading of the teleprompter that, that Josh was talking about, and like the language he used, guys, I was forced to vacate the titles. Stand up and be a goddamn CEO if that's what you're going to be. Use leadership language. <laughs> Take control of the situation. Con- well, I wasn't going to say control your narrative because that's a whole other thing <laughs> going on. Control the narrative um, and, and show like you're running this goddamn company. Like it, it looks like the inmates are controlling the asylum here because I can't believe that Tony Khan has any control over what's going on. Right. He's just look like he's just helpless lying on the side of the road. I would have stood up. I would have made an example of CM Punk for one thing. Um, I would have reversed the, the decision, I would have given the title back to Moxley. That's what um, I would have done, too, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah I would have given Jared back his points. <laughs> That's all you want. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I've never heard yeah, a I first know. place guy cry so much. <laughs> but I mean, you got a better record than I do, so those two numbers are going to get flipped around. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> why, do, why do I want this guy in my locker room? I I don't I, I uh, and, and it, it pains me because I know you guys are big fans of, of them, but that, that's just that's unforgivable. It's unprofessional, as as uh, Seth said. Uh, that that's completely unacceptable on a hundred different levels, and th- that is <laughs> that is someone I don't want around my locker room. I'm spreading all that about other talent, and I don't know it, if I were the AEW boys in the back and like again i don't know what's going on but i don't know what the relationships are with uh, the interrelationships amongst the talent whether they're good with the evps like people like like chris jericho and everybody else on the roster um whether they feel the same way as punk or whether punk's on a on an island on his own i might have taken a little bit of liberty on my own if you know what i'm saying uh and maybe perhaps left Punk a message on the way out the door, but I I can't believe that went down the way, the way it did. Um, I I would have fired him publicly on TV. 
That's what I would have done. Well, I am the resident CM Punk Mark, but even for me, it's really, really hard to defend him at this point in time. I will say that I completely understand his perspective on the Colt Cabanas thing. Was that the time and place to air that? No. The whole thing with Hangman Adam Page was only one line, but it's it's still that he's bent out of shape. Him, quote unquote, going into business for himself by bringing up very vaguely other things that were not technically wrestling related in a promo, whatever. Not really great to be burying somebody that you probably have to work with or in theory would have had to have worked with. And just from my inference, his problem with the EVPs is that they didn't, he probably feels that they didn't step in and say something or take action against Hangman Page for that promo or whatever else was going on at the time. So that's just what I was inferring from it. But again, we're all guessing we don't know. But like Jared said, to bury all these people, to make the owner of the company look like a little punk, and no pun intended, and for you yourself to say the words, I'm trying to run a business, it's not your company. What business are you running other than managing the brand of CM Punk? So it was just a completely bizarre scrum. Had nothing else happened, it, it would have been weird enough on its own. Then the whole backstage incident thing happened. And the reports are that Magda I, Park, Parka, the legal uh, counsel for the company. La Parka. Not La Parka. Boy, that would be a visual. Oh, because I'm about to say I would explain to the chair. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, so she apparently witnessed the whole thing. As was stated by Seth, there's a third-party investigation going on. The Hoffman Estates Police Department deny they were ever called to the building for any uh, incident. So who knows where it goes. And truth be told, I feel had Punk not gotten injured, I believe he would have been fired. I'm sure a steal will be fired. Um, he just was let go from WWE back in January and started working with AEW in February, and he will probably be gone. In terms of the locker room, the reports are that 95% of the locker room are anti-punk or team elite or just tired of all the bullshit. So it's been reported that it's been reported that if Punk were to return to the company, he would have large amends to make if he's not just outright fired. Uh, in terms of their futures, if anybody does get terminated over this, um, I, I think Punk would just be done with wrestling again. There's no, 
he's not clamoring to go back to WWE. Um, Kenny and the Bucks, as Seth mentioned, Japan. Would WWE be interested? Of course. Um, Does it happen? I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on that. But here's the last thing I'll say. And Seth, this goes to your talking about was it a work, was it a shoot in terms of everything with CM Punk and a alleged or supposed or proposed heel turn or whatever. As I mentioned last week, just going into the preview for All Out itself, if Eddie Kingston says you're an asshole and Hangman Page says you're an asshole and MJF says you're an asshole, at some point you have to wonder if the problem is not CM Punk. So <clears throat> multiple people cannot be of all the same opinion and all be completely 100% wrong. As the saying goes, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. So I will leave that there. We will be crowning a new world heavyweight champion yet again there are i believe six individuals in this tournament they couldn't even do a full eight-man tournament but um brian danielson already eliminated hangman page so brian danielson will be taking on chris jericho next week on dynamite as jericho got a first round bye uh, John Moxley also got a first round bye, and he will be facing the winner of Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen, which is airing on Rampage. And then the winner of those two matches will go against each other at Arthur Ashe Stadium on August 21st to crown the new AEW World Champion. And... Unfortunately, forgotten in all of this is what happened at the end of All Out, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, let us start our review, our reviews, uh, plural, by going over probably the tamest show of the weekend, WWE Clash at the Castle in the UK. time difference this aired at 12 noon and the pay-per-view ending before the sun even starts to go down is very weird i was actually able to make lunch during the pay-per-view so i will go over the results we will have our opinions and then we can get into how the predictions worked out so we had six women tag team action damage control Defeated Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. Gunther retained against Sheamus. Liv Morgan retained against Shayna Baszler. Edge and Rey Mysterio defeated The Judgment Day. Seth Rollins defeated Matt Riddle. And in the main event, Roman Reigns retained against Drew McIntyre. Thoughts and opinions. This was a very good show. There were no bad matches on this. Some were better than others, of course. But there wasn't anything on this show that made me roll my eyes or 
seemed like it didn't make sense to any ongoing story. I I know I believe I uh, predicted that uh, Bailey would pin uh, Bianca in that tag match to set up a a, a title match. This makes sense. Gunther and Sheamus. Boy, I love me a good Haas fight, and that was a Haas fight. That's one of those matches I'm probably going to go back and watch probably half a dozen more times because just the uh, the sheer carnage and uh, violence in that match. Uh, as far as the tag match with uh, Edge and Ray against the Judgment Day, I think I predicted Judgment Day to, to win because of Dominic turning, but... Uh, that they saved that for the post match, uh, which I think is actually pretty clever. I think I think that it it may actually work better the way they did it than uh, the way I had it, uh, because it, it made for a more interesting story. I think it's almost like Dominic didn't make up his mind until after the match, or maybe something during his match. I couldn't help but notice the promo afterwards where. Rhea is saying as she made a man out of uh, Dominic, which, of course, has a very suggestive tone to it. And I couldn't help but notice that Dominic was holding his balls while she was saying she made a man out of him. So, you know, insert your own uh, sexual innuendo joke there. But that is almost exactly like what I thought was going to happen. You know, she's got Dominic under mind control. Uh, Doesn't necessarily have to be something sexual, but. You know, he could be smitten or just being manipulated emotionally by Rhea. I guess the issue with a story like that is how do you resolve it? But uh, Rollins versus Riddle, almost exactly what I thought was going to happen. And boy, that main event. I mean, Drew McIntyre is one of those guys. I think he can have a great match with just about anybody. You know, I've uh, made the joke before about on... uh, classic wrestling memories about some of these guys were just like even somebody like me in his mid forties, who's never taken a bump in his life, maybe six months of solid training. I could probably have a decent match with somebody like Drew McIntyre. Not, not that I'd be good. It's just that he would be so good that he would be able to mask all the rookie mistakes that somebody like me would make. And uh, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with Rowan Reigns retaining. I know I predicted Drew to win. It's what I would have done. I just would have pulled the trigger on Drew winning. But uh, that that was a great match. And uh, I am interested to see if they actually are going to keep the titles on uh, Roman until WrestleMania. Oh, boy, oh, boy. When's the last time that we pitted a WWE show up against an NXT show up against an AEW show and all the carnage of, you know, the, the scrum aside, just strictly talking about the shows, I would come out and say that I probably enjoyed Clash of the Castle of the Best all weekend. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, the, the highlights for me on the show, um, I obviously that, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that match between Sheamus and, and Gunther is like, oh, my God. Yeah. He's going to, man, they beat the ever loving hell out of each other. Like the, <laughs> the welts, the scratches, the redness, the, the just the sheer beating. Thing. Like that's, you know, you don't have to have a flashy match all the time. This is just two horses 
just beating the pure snot out of each other. And it was awesome. And Seth, yeah, it's like I've rewatched it once already. I will I will do so some more times. That was just fun just to listen to the, all those chops and slaps and forearms and and just watch the welts develop on their chest like and there was a lot of other stuff going on in that match too right i mean um uh the family of davy boy was there bret hart was there uh it was cool they they reformed imperium Mm-hmm. Here, um, you know, so Kaiser and Vinci uh, brawled with, you know, Butch and Rich Holland kind of before to get everybody out of the way so these two hosses could, could have this match. Um, I don't know if you caught the 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 boot to the face from Gunther on Sheamus. You can almost see that the side of Sheamus's face just kind of, <laughs> kind of collapsed. It looked like in slow-mo. It looked amazing. Um, wow. And then you got we got the Celtic cross for... When's the last time Sheamus had the Celtic cross? That's yeah. a complete face thing, right? And it's been years since we've seen that. So that was kind of cool. So, yeah, overall, that was probably my uh, a very close, I don't know. I probably have a 1A and a 1B for, for this show. That's It was super good. Super enjoyed the heck out of that show or that match. Uh, what else was, was good for me? Uh, so Edge... Edge and Ray and, and, and Judgment Day, I mean, the match was okay when it was. I, I'm not sure I get the ending. I, I don't know why Dominic helps them win the match and then turns on them both. I'm, I'm not quite sure. I don't know why you just don't have them do that and cost them the match. It just seemed a little bit silly, but I'm finally glad that after all the months that we were predicting this to happen, that, that Dominic finally made the heel turn. Uh, that made it really well. Edge's 619 was god-awful. Uh, yikes. Uh, although the, the spear on Priest through the ropes was pretty cool. But yeah. Uh, what else happened? Riddle and, and Rollins was awesome. That was just high energy for the whole match. They were beating the crap out of each other too. Lots of lots of big moves. So that was really cool. Um, and then you got the main event. So I was scared, guys. As a Roman Reign guy, as someone who acknowledges my tribal chief, I was scared. I, I with with the build up, having this being in in Cardiff, the the intro video that they gave Drew before he made his entrance. It's like, oh no, they're they're really going all out for Drew. This this could be the one. To and, his old theme of broken dreams, which everybody was clamoring yeah. for. Yeah, yeah, that that uh, can uh, that uh, sounds like turn the page by Bob Seger when you first hear it. No, Jimmy and Jay Uso. No, Paul Heyman. Not even Sami Zayn. Just this is one on one, and and the hype is behind Drew, and I'm worried. I'm really worried. And I'm watching this. I am on as much of the edge of my seat I can. These guys are absolute friggin' pros when it comes to the the long two count, the the kick out of the last second. I thought when uh, early on, or not actually early on, but maybe it was probably about two thirds of the way, maybe getting close to the end. Drew hit that claymore. I'm like, oh no, no, this is over. It's absolutely over. Uh, sorry, Roman, you're done. And then. We get 
the thing I've been wanting for months. <laughs> Solo Sokoa shows up. I think, Josh, I, I messaged you and signaled how many oh my gods did I put in that message. When he showed up and pulled the ref out of the ring, I literally jumped out of my, my chair and popped, and I was up for the three count. I counted out loud with the ref. I yelled out. I popped at the end of it. Everybody in the house was wondering what the hell was wrong with me. But, yeah, I mean, I was completely invested in that match. I went through all the ups and downs in the match. Yeah, what a what a great what a great match and to finally you'll get something new happening with the with the bloodline and it's yeah another family member but let's let's see what the the solo Sokoa story is and what they do with him and how Roman treats him and and all of this and yeah I'm so happy to see that that was I actually messaged Josh right before the show started I'm like the only way they're going to save this and make Drew look good and, and make Roman look healy and have him kind of survive is to have Solo Sokoa come out, and goddamn it happened. I was so happy that main event made my day. And I'm pounding the table like Josh is. That's how excited I am about this match. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag audio problems. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to be a stickler for some details. Uh, you know, no, I never... shall not. <laughs> Uh, back when Bailey formed her group, they had applied for the trademark of damage control, control, C-T-R-L, which is the abbreviation on a keyboard. They come out at Clash at the Castle and the Videotron says control, C-O-N-T-R-O-L. I'm like, okay, did they change their mind and forego the trademark? And then they come out on Monday Night Raw, damage control, C-T-R-L. I'm like somebody get fired for not doing it right on Saturday? What, what the, what is going on? It's not that complicated. Maybe their computers have autocorrect. Yeah. Oh, did you mean control? No, bitch. No. Oh my God, Seth, I literally just spit out my drink. <laughs> and you. The intercontinental title match. I can't really add much more to it except for I, I popped the most for the reformation of Imperium. Now, if you can just give them back symphony number nine and E minor, it'd be perfect and maybe get rid of Giovanni's NXT name, but that's fine for me. Just the intense close up on Ludwig Kaiser saying, uh, as soon as he said Giovanni, I'm like, yes, Imperia. <laughs> and I was, I was mm-hmm. like, well, what if they're just doing that? Cause they're in Wales. And then I got notification that Giovanni has been added to the SmackDown roster. Yes. So <laughs> like I said, just give me symphony number nine and E minor and all will be right with the world. And they put yep. Gunther. Give him back, give him back the Dvorak and, uh, Maybe give Gunther a last name or a first name if he wants to be Walter Gunther or Gunther Walter or something like that. I just, and I mean, he was with, back with, in with exceptions. I was just going to say, I mean, I mean, there are exceptions, but for the most part, I don't really like people just having one name. Edge. Mm-hmm. Walter was a good ex- exception, and they went and screwed <laughs> it up. Yeah. Gunther and Ludwig and Giovanni were all in Imperium Black which is much better than Gunther Smackdown Red for whatever reason. But anyway, so those are the details I appreciated there. Um, Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler, uh, I guess it worked to get Liv a better babyface reaction, but I I don't know where you go from here because 
Yeah. Uh, you've had Liv beat Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey twice now. So they're going to have to do some rebuilding of some of the other people in this division. But um, uh, Judgment Day, I agree with Jared. I don't understand the helping and then turning. It would have been much better, and all of us would have gotten our points if uh, he would have helped Judgment Day win. <laughs> um, Matt Riddle, Seth Rollins, nothing more you can say about that. That was just great. The second rope curb stomp to end it was amazing. And I completely agree with everything that Jared said about the main event. Um, that's how you make Drew look good in defeat and keep him strong. Um, yep. I, and you know what? Cardiff didn't boo as loud as I thought they would for that uh, result. There were signs saying, if Drew loses, we riot. Well, I didn't see any riots. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, Solo Sokoa. Uh, Triple H, I give you full permission to change his name. They did refer to him as the third Uso, right? Yeah, the third Uso brother. Yeah, the announced team, yeah. Yeah, SmackDown <laughs> should be interesting. I'm actually looking forward to it. It's it's the calm at the end of the week based on how the week started. <laughs> so, Briefly, I will go over the predictions results for this show. Uh, Jarrett and I were both four and two. He had me on points, 15 to 11, and Seth finished 3 and 3 for 6 points. Uh, I will briefly touch on Worlds Collide. Uh, we don't. If you didn't see it, you don't have to comment on it, or if you want to comment, that's fine too. <laughs> um, I actually was able to watch it, uh, surprisingly. I did think I would be available, but I was, and uh, so I watched it. And let me just tell you, I could watch Ricochet and Carmelo Hayes every day of the week and twice on Sundays. That match was amazing. And Jarrett messaged me and said, if they're going to let Ricochet do that, they can keep him in NXT. (laughs) Absolutely. Jeez, that that double cross body at the end of the match, like how sick was that? And those guys were, were... yeah, they were just flying all over, just quick jumping, reversals, springboarding, twisting. Yeah, it was like <laughs> I could, whatever physical description they did, they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was awesome. It's so awesome. Yep. This, they're going to let them be who they're going to be. Ricochet needs to be in NXT because he, the, the stuff he did in that match is heads and shoulders above what he's been doing in, in, in WWE proper lately. Yeah, keep him down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I go back to that uh, match he had with Will Ospreay a few years back, which is the match that had uh, drawn the controversy from comments by uh, Big Van Vader. Uh, but it was Ricochet and Will Ospreay, of course, has been in um, AEW lately. But they both did the kind of duck back and forth, everybody ducking each other's moves, and then they do like the double backflip with the superhero landing. You know, the Deadpool will call it, where they both kind of go and land on their knees with the fist down like the superhero landing, and they do it where they're facing each other. Yep. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah, it's some pretty amazing stuff he's been doing for forever, so yeah, I, I'm glad that uh, he's getting a chance of saying, obviously he lost, but I mean, I think the point was not so much to beat Ricochet, but to put over Carmelo Hayes. 
he, he might have lost, but he looked freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And finally, people are listening to me about Ricochet. God damn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it only took several years. Only. Only. Next, there was a fatal four-way elimination tag team match for the to unify the NXT and NXT UK tag team champions championship, I should say, between Gallus, Pretty Deadly, the Creed Brothers, and Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen. And when your UK tag team champions are the first ones eliminated, it does not look good for them. Uh, the finals. Uh, ended up being Pretty Deadly and the Creed Brothers and Diamond Mind partner at the time, Damon Kemp, turns on the Creed Brothers and it is their downfall. Your new unified tag team champions are Pretty Deadly. I'm not quite sure why you need four teams to unify two titles, but uh, oh well, you know, the action was good. It is what it is. It was probably the least entertaining match on the card, but even then it's still advanced yeah. storyline. Triple threat match to unify the NXT and NXT UK Women's Championships. Mandy Rose defeats Blair Davenport and Miko Satamora to become your unified women's champion. I'm not sure why Blair Davenport was in this because she didn't hold a title for each one. I, I think in real life she's with uh, Will Ospreay, I want to say. I don't, I mean, maybe something's happened between them, but I know she was dating Will Ospreay for a while when he was on his rise to uh, the IWGP title in New Japan. But it's just like if she's not really affiliated with if she's not really prominent with either brand, why is she there in a three-way? But, oh, well. I mean, she was a number one contender, though, wasn't she? She just didn't, she never got her title match. So that was kind of, this is what that was. Okay. Well, okay. Well, if that, there, yeah, if there's an UK explanation, then I missed it. Well, that plus these are the talents. The talent that appeared on this show from UK are the ones that were not released and are going to be melded into NXT. Anyway, the finisher for Mandy Rose, Kiss by a Rose, that running knee, amazing. She nailed both of them <laughs> with it simultaneously. She really needs that Seal song to be her theme music. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think that's and, why they had to change the name. Uh, probably a copyright issue from saying Kiss from a Rose, uh, which is why they changed it to Kiss by a Rose. Yeah, and I understand that we're in... You know, the year of our, our bacon lard 2022. But Jesus, Manny Rose looked good. <laughs> she always looks good. Speaking of looking good, um, it is very sad that we're losing two of the best looking uh, title belts in these NXT women's and men's world titles because those are probably the best looking center plates and now they're going to be going away. Yeah, I could go on a whole rant on that because it's like, I, I I know I'm a belt mark. I mean, Train accused me of that a few years back. And I was like, what, really? And then it finally dawned on me, yeah, I guess you're right. Belt, you know, cool belts are cool. And I don't think there's really any cool-looking belt out there right now, at least as far as between uh, WWE, AEW, or uh, New Japan. New Japan had that awesome-looking uh, fourth belt, but they're uh, 
their current world title. And it almost looks like if somebody took the Divas title and just made it gold instead of uh, Rats colors. For the NXT Women's Tag Team titles, uh, Nikki... Wow, I was about to say Nikki Drop. <sighs> Nikki A-S-H and Dewdrop lose to Katana Chance and Caden Carter, who retain their titles thanks to the interference from Toxic Attraction. I can't help but notice that both names for the champions it's kc like you know the initials kc so <laughs> I, could, I don't know i just noticed stuff like that but this was probably the most uninterested i was because I, i'm pretty sure nikki's going to go back to being nikki cross at least i hope so uh because the the superhero thing just ain't working somehow she's still almost a superhero even though she's a villain so she could she should be referring to herself as a super villain now but Ah, uh, well, yeah, I, I didn't really care for this much at all. Uh, as far as the names, Caden uh, Chance, or not Caden Chance, what is it? Mm -hmm. Katana Chance? Yeah, Katana, Katana Chance, Chance was changed because that was the during the time that Vince had kiboshed any real names. But her real name is Casey Catanzaro, which is also Casey, and her first name is Casey. So uh, they just kept the alliteration. Um, as far as Nikki and Dewdrop, <clears throat> they were once again in the background on Monday Night Raw during a backstage segment where Nikki Cross took off her eye mask and threw it at Dewdrop. But apparently they didn't continue that across to NXT because they were on NXT again the next night and they were still teaming together. So that will probably be saved and, and kept to a Monday Night Raw storyline. So we'll have to see uh, how much longer this goes. And they have trademarked Piper Niven. Uh, we mentioned that a long time ago. We just never knew when they were going to bring it to fruition. And now maybe they are getting to that. And in the main event for the unification of the NXT and NXT UK championship, Braun Breaker. <laughs> Personal opinions aside, defeats... Tyler Bate and is your new unified champion. And if you thought NXT UK was getting over on this show, you were mistaken. Yeah, that's pretty much across the board. Uh, the, the UK guys lost at least as far as the UK champion, the guys that held the UK championships. So, yeah, I, I would have rather had a bit more mix up as far as having some of the UK branded champions win, but yeah, what can you do? I'd like to think that now with Vince not around that uh, Braun Breaker will get a better name than Braun Breaker. I'd still have it in the, the back of my head that how Vince would have said that if he was on commentary just going, Braun Breaker! But, uh, you know, just just uh, let him be Rex Steiner or whatever he wants to be called, and uh, just it, it it's so obvious. It's just one of those things. We're not going to go too long on it now because obviously Vince isn't there anymore, so we don't we probably don't have to worry about it. But it's just like some of the fickleness, if that's a word, that he has for people's names just 
doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not on board with Braun Breaker right now, but you have to agree or admit to yourself that his resume is pretty damn impressive. And that speaks specifically to the rocket being strapped to him and them thinking that he's the next big thing because he has defeated Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn and Walter and Tommaso Ciampa and Roderick Strong. And the list goes on and on and on of all the people he's defeated. So uh, I think he has a win over Johnny Gargano. So... Uh, you know, for as much as I don't care for him and some others might not either, you can't deny the people that he's defeated. So the resume is quite deep for Mr. Breaker. Okay, moving on to All Out, the show before the storm, I guess. Uh, I'm just going to quickly run down Zero Hour. Uh, I don't think any storylines were advanced here. Uh, Sammy and Ty defeated Ortiz and Soho to retain the AAA mixed tag titles. Hook defeated and retained against Angelo Parker. Pac defeated and retained against uh, Kip Sabian. And Eddie Kingston defeated Tomorohiro Ishii. Uh, the casino ladder match opened up all out proper, where the winner gets a future world title shot. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta, Penta, Phoenix, Roosh, Andrade, El Idolo, Dante Martin, and the Joker. And we were all correct because the Joker was the winner, but he didn't actually do any wrestling. Stokely Hathaway yeah. came down with his guys that he'd been giving business cards to, and they all beat up everybody that was in the ring. And a masked guy gets up, climbs the ladder, grabs the chip, and he reveals himself. And it's Stokely Hathaway. So technically, Stokely should be getting the title shot, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, then a Rolling Stones music plays over the intercom. Sympathy and for Seth, the devil. What was yes. that title again? Sympathy for the devil. Sympathy for the devil. There you go. Uh, the Joker comes out in a devil mask, black and white. He comes down, Stokely hands him the chip, and the Joker is declared the winner. He goes to take off his mask, and he only does the gesture. He does not actually remove the mask, and he leaves with the chip to be determined at a later time. Uh, next, we got... Uh, one of the two matches that now is meaningless uh, for the AEW trios title, the elite of Hangman, er, Hangman, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks defeat <laughs> Dark Order and Hangman Page to win the titles. Yeah, that that, that was uh, for about seventy-two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a heck of a match. Uh, a lot of fun there. It's almost exactly what I thought would happen. I, I can't remember if I predicted. Uh, which side would win. But the the finish, I thought, was practically poetry with Hangman accidentally hitting his friend. Obviously, it wasn't followed up on, but I don't think it need to, needed to be because John Silver is one of those guys that I think is trusting of his friends. He'd write it off as being a miscalculation, and they're still friends at the end. But yeah, yeah that 
darn good match, and uh, I, I think the right finish. Yeah, I, I don't know about this one, guys. I mean, it had. I think it was because we just knew the outcome, like, and or well, knew as much as we thought we knew. But for for me, the outcome was never in doubt, so it was kind of ah, ah, why do I really need to pay attention to this? Um, there was the one bit where I mean, Silver came really close to winning, and the crowd went banana when you know it was. When he, when he almost won. But, I mean, they they tried to do a little bit of the, the hangman storyline with a little bit of dissension there, and they tried to give some history with him and Omega. But all of that is like, I know who's winning. I really don't care. Just get over with it. Get it over with. And I can't really comment because my feed did not cooperate with me for the first half of this pay-per-view. So next, AEW TBS title match, Jade Cargill defeats Athena in about three minutes. Yeah, not much to say here. I mean, I, I think I predicted Jade to win. She was dressed like She-Hulk, yeah, so I thought that, that was very fitting. And the announcers uh, and, did not pick up on it. They said she was green because she loves money. Boo. Okay. Well, that, was, that was terrible. Yeah, I mean, how can you not tell that? I mean, she was dressed as Storm in the last big show, so, you know, she, she's clearly a comic book fan, and more power to her. She came through a wall of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because she loves money. Oh, my God. That was her ode to the Shockmaster. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. I, I got nothing to say about the match. It, it is what it was. Uh, they tried to stuff a lot in, but they they didn't really work together very well. It it wasn't a great match. One rampage spoiler: Jade comes out and cuts a promo saying she wonders who's going to step up to her and take her title. Me too, Jade. Me too. Anyway, next AEW trios match: Wardlow and FTR defeated Jay Lethal in the Motor City Machine Guns, and for an extra added bonus pinfall, Dax's daughter pins Sanjay Dutt. <laughs> yeah, th this was great. I mean, not match of the year, obviously not even match of the night, but it was entertaining. A lot of good action. I like all the guys involved in this match, so really nothing to complain about. Yeah, so you have two really good tag teams where they really tried to make Wardlow stand out, power bombs for everybody. Um, yeah, again, not a not a super fantastic match. It was it was decent though. Oh, but hey, Samoa Joe came back afterwards. Huzzah! I guess he's finished filming that oh. television show. Oh, I, I just saw a note. I completely forgot. So I think at the was it the near the start or the start of the match. Lethal spit on Wardlow. Do you guys catch that? So what I did what not. about that is bad? It's spitting on somebody is a crime in Illinois, you Chicago guys. Twenty five hundred dollar fine, cha ching. Nice. Uh my only complaint was that it should have been War Wardlow versus Lethal and FTR versus the machine guns separately. But then we would have had sixteen matches, so Next, Powerhouse Hobbs plows straight through Ricky Starks in about four minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably the most surprising thing that happened. I mean, I I wasn't expecting Ricky Starks to win. 
but I was thinking he put up more of a fight. Hobbs win, wins this one, and the crowd goes mild. Well, when you have 15 matches in a five-hour show, not everyone can be a 20-minute banger. Hmm. Yep. For the AEW Tag Team titles, Swerve in Our Glory retained against the acclaimed, though many are wondering if Tony should have called an audible based on the crowd reaction because they were 150 million percent behind the acclaimed. And we are running this match back at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yeah, I think they are doing that because, I mean, Swerve Strickland totally came off as a heel when he showed up on Dynamite. So I think they're going to do that. They're going to run with Swerve and our glory as the heels, at least for the context of the match. And, yeah, we'll probably see new champions at the uh, Arthur S. Stadium show. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of raps uh, Max Caster comes up with when he's the champion. <laughs> Yeah, this is a really solid match. Really excellent tag team match. Um, oh, and that uh, Death Valley driver on Keith Lee by Max yeah. Gaster. That was pretty freaking amazing. I was going to get get to that. Yeah, like he's using great. Like Gaster's ripped, right? But he's not huge. And Keith Lee is a big, big man, right? That that looked pretty impressive, right? And and the other thing I read, I caught was oh, <laughs> the Chicago fans. Chanting, you can't scissor at <laughs> Keith Lee. I thought it was hilarious. I don't know why, just my sense of humor. But fun match, though. Speaking of the crowd in this match, um, they early on, they had chanted or sung. Jared, you had told me, oh, swerve in it, or not swerve. Oh, bask in his glory for about three yeah. or four minutes of the match to begin it. Did you catch yeah. when the crowd with the same tune, so to speak, instead of, oh, bask in his glory, they were singing, oh, scissor me, daddy, for like another I, minute I, and I, half. I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, I completely missed that. <clears throat> I was like, I think the Chicago, Chicago crowd is trying to outdo the Cardiff crowd, which they're, you know, 10,000 versus 70,000. They weren't going to be able to do it, but they tried. Next, for the AEW Women's Interim Title, bleh, in a four-way title match, Tony Storm keeps the plan in place, defeating Hikaru Shida, Jamie Hayter, and Britt Baker. And we finally, finally, finally are looking like we're going towards the Jamie Hayter, Britt Baker. Cannot talk tonight. Jamie Hader, Britt. I'm Baker about to say Britt Breaker, like she's Braun's cousin or something. Yeah, but yeah. The, the I think he hit the nail on the head. I think they just kind of went with Tony Storm winning because she allegedly was set to win anyway. And uh, I, I must confess, I think it would have been cool to just to give Sheeta another reign, but that's just me. And we'll we'll see who steps up. I mean, I, I'm not sure who they have planned for next next contender because usually with AEW you kind of get a feel for who the next challenger is. We didn't even get that on Dynamite. Maybe we'll get it on uh, Rampage, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I unfortunately I think for Tony Storm's sake, 
I think she was one of those that might have just gotten written off as she got hired because she was formerly in NXT and WWE. But I've always been a fan of her as long as I've uh, seen her for the last few years since she showed up in NXT. But, you know, we'll see what happens. This match was kind of weird for me in that it was like two tag teams that were put together to wrestle in a four-way match and then you know, each had to try and beat your partner to, to win a title. So it, it felt kind of weird. Um, they, they did the, you know, the, the partnership and everybody's helping each other get out of pins and stuff like that. And then, you know, when, when you finally do that to your partner, it's like, Oh, well, you bitch, you shouldn't have finally done that. Ah. And then all that takes over um, kind of tropish at, at this point. So not, not a lot of fun, but glad uh, in the outcome that the Tony storms uh, getting some hype here in another surprisingly short match, Christian cage defeats jungle boy, Jack Perry. I thought this was funny because jungle boy did that kind of go home promo about you're not facing jungle boy. You're facing Jack Perry. And then he loses in 40 seconds. I mean, I get that it was because Luchasaurus turned on him and, I think we all figured Luchasaurus was with Christian in some capacity because of that uh, that, that time that Christian spent warping him, you might say. But I was surprised at the outcome. But at the same time, when I was watching it, it's like, okay, it still makes sense. My understanding is Christian has to get surgery for whatever injury he has. So we'll probably have Jungle Boy feuding with Luchasaurus for the next few months. And that that's like a hero's journey type thing. He has to get past the powerful minion to get at the master. So it all made sense in storyline. It surprised me, but it made sense in hindsight. Torn tricep, just like CM Punk. Yeah, this one was all storyline. It didn't, it didn't need to be a 20 minute banger. As Josh says, they'll, they'll get back to that. Well, I guess now when, whenever Christian's okay. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't mind it. Um, I saw a comment online that throughout the course of this storyline that Luchasaurus has pulled off the elusive triple turn. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's not, it's not easy to do. Meanwhile, Paul White and backstage scoffs at him. Rookie. <laughs> <laughs> Three amateur hour. <laughs> I did two in one match, son. All right. Next. Lionheart Chris Jericho defeats the American Dragon Brian Danielson. Again, this made total sense in hindsight from a booking standpoint because it, there was a whole thing going in of the best wrestler, the best sports entertainer. No, I'm going to be the best wrestler. And that, so you build up that whole thing of the best wrestler wins and Jericho cheats to win. I mean, that's kind of a, uh, Heel 101, you might say. The guy that puts forth that he's going to be the best wrestler actually is the one that cheats to win. So it was a perfect finish for the story they're trying to tell, you know, as far as the wrestler cheating to win to beat the uh, supposed better wrestler. Obviously, we're getting a rematch on uh, AW next week, so there's probably more to come. Now that we know what we know and that we're getting the rematch, and I pretty much going to guarantee that that uh brian dinosaur wins that match I, i'm okay with what happened here but as it happened i'm like really 50 year old chris jericho wins again 
like especially against you know the American Dragon version of uh, Brian Danielson. So I was a little disappointed. Cost me some points, but um, we'll get him back. Only in the next match, though. Only in the next match. <laughs> Up to this point, I was like eleven and zero or twelve and zero or something like that uh, before I lost through Jericho uh, Danielson. You were. Yeah, you were twelve and zero before, and that was your first loss. Twelve and one. Yeah, that was a night, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, Jericho. Bum. <laughs> In the penultimate match of the night, if you don't count the backstage altercation, uh, the AEW trios <laughs> match of Miro, Sting, and Darby Allen took on what would what would end up being the final match for the House of Black. Yeah, this is how you go out if you're going to go out because Malachi Black obviously lost the pinfall to Darby Allen. I guess he is going back to WWE. Well, if I recall correctly, his wife works there now. No, or still. That's not the story, but continue. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, well, well if he is leaving, then that's the that, that's the right ending. You know, you, you, you go out putting over somebody. So I mean, it was... Far from the best match of the show, but there was nothing bad about it. So, you know, no, no, no problem here. I like that Sting was the one to use the mist. Oh yeah, <clears throat> kind of the revenge bit there. Yeah, it was was not a great match, um, but you know, I, I did like that little bit of storytelling. Had I known that Malachi would have been getting his release, I would not have picked the House of Black to win this. Malachi Black received his very conditional release from the company. Uh, from what's being reported, he's dealing with mental issues and personal problems away mm. from wrestling. So <clears throat> I'm imagining the conditions for the release are that he doesn't go to WWE immediately. People are saying they wouldn't be surprised if he took a year off or whatever the time frame may be to get his personal life in order. So he's not just asking for his release because Triple H is back in power. Okay. In the main event, CM Punk, for what it was worth, defeated John Moxley to become a two-time AEW world champion and the combined amount of days for both of his title reigns is less than 14 days. Yeah. I mean, th this was a great match, and I'm not quite sure where he uh, hurt his tricep. I guess it was on a dive. But everything was great about this match, at, at, you know, from the, uh, the drama to the uh, athletics, the, the punk blood like a, like a stuck pig. And uh, the the finish with him basically just hitting two go to sleeves to beat Moxley, that that was all good. And they had uh, the reveal at the end with MJF, and of course now we're not going to get that match, at least not anytime soon. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. I did like that on Dynamite, MJF reinforced that well, I already got the the, the title shot, so why do I need to be in the tournament? So uh, I, I think it's cool that they're basically making a point to show that MJF's going to wait in the sidelines until the championship is decided and then he gets his title shot. 
This was a pretty good match. I have a nitpick, and Josh, I messaged you about this, is I really hate, 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 hate when we play off an injury, right? So Punk's had the foot thing going on, and throughout this match, Mox beats the crap out of his leg and his foot, gets him an ankle locks, working on his leg the entire match, and then... You have to no-sell that to hit your finisher. That happened on more than one occasion, and that just bothers me that you get an injured, quote-unquote, body part worked over all match, but it's okay for you to get up and hit your finisher twice and and then win the match. Or that, that, that pisses me off a little bit. So I think I was a little bit mad at losing some points. But that that's not that's a big pet peeve of mine. I'm not a fan of that at all. So booked a little weird. Uh, match was good though until that point. Does it make any difference that he was working the foot and the GTS is the knee? Well, no, because he has to rack the guy to get him up for the GTS. <laughs> he shouldn't be standing on that foot like that with all that weight on there. Gotcha. Just thought I'd clarify. Yeah. I, I do feel bad for MJF because his return is just about forgotten based on everything that happened afterwards. And now we're not going to get this blow-off feud. Um, MJF was able to make a great recovery on Dynamite with a fantastic fake babyface promo countered by Mox's epic promo. Um, But the reveal at the pay-per-view, you would have forgotten that they were in Chicago because, or apparently Chicago forgot that Punk was still in the ring because... Uh, The crowd was chanting MJF. They popped at his music. They popped at his scarf. Not as good as Brian Danielson and Adam Cole in terms of surprises, but uh, at least this lights on, lights off trope worked on this occasion. And in terms of predictions, Seth finished third at 10 and 5 for 23 points. I finished second, 12 and three for 28 points. And Jared finished first in terms of record, 13 and two, but tied with me for 28 points. Which brings. I still call Bullshit. <laughs> which brings <clears throat> our collective year to date records through Clash at the Castle and All Out. Jared with a record of 81 and 33 for 255 points. I have a record of 82 and 32 for 238 points. And Seth has a record of 71 and 43 for 209 points. Next pay-per-view or premium live event will be Extreme Rules in October. So we got some time. Yeah, as long as stuff doesn't crazily happen again. We can get some other interesting content in our episodes. We've only been planning to do a thing for like three weeks now. (laughs) Damn you, news. All right. So those are the three shows from the weekend. That is the news. Those are our thoughts. Any final comments? I can't say that I'm uh, optimistic about AEW at this point. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, cooler heads will prevail. And, uh, I mean, this is really, I think, the biggest 
negative publicity thing that they've had to to face. So hopefully for their sake, it'll be the worst, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, we'll see what happens if they're actually able to get Ring of Honor their own show. And if it's presented as being different than AEW, because I think having all these Ring of Honor matches on AEW programming is uh, not the uh, ideal for the Ring of Honor titles. I mean, yes, they're being seen by a lot of people, but I think ideally AEW and ROH should be depicted as being completely separate brands with a completely different approach to how they do matches and such. So, but, but we'll see. I mean, 2022 has not uh, disappointed as far as being uh, newsworthy, as far as wrestling goes. I am completely in, let's see what the hell happens next mode, especially in AEW. Um, one thing I forgot, remember at the the uh, match with, uh, I guess it was a ladder match, when Penta comes out, and, it, <laughs> and on his way out, he just hits a Canadian Destroyer on the ramp on the way out. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, I, there's going to be a huge fallout in AEW. Uh, WWE is really ramping up under under Triple H. And I can't wait to see what happens next there. I'm really looking forward to the next part of what's going on in the Bloodline storyline uh, story now that Solo Sokoa is in the, in the mix. So, yeah, I, I can't believe I'm actually saying you know, six months ago, what were we talking about WWE? And, like, now, like, oh, geez, I have to watch WWE now. So mm-hmm. what, what a turnaround. And as Seth says, yeah, it's an interesting time to be a wrestling fan right now. So, yeah, bring it on, folks. I will close out with two thoughts. One, uh, if you thought you had an easy time to pick wrestling news story of the year for your year-end awards, you are mistaken because you're going to have to pare it down from about five at this point. And Mm -hmm. secondly, I will say that on a recommendation if you haven't seen or heard the interview between ariel helwani and triple h i highly recommend it you can find it on youtube or wherever you listen to podcasts just search for ariel meets i think it's called and uh or you can just google uh ariel helwani triple h and you'll get to the interview it's about an hour and 15 minutes but it is quality, quality stuff. It, it's fantastic, and you really get to see what Triple H's brain is like, right? He doesn't go into a lot of detail about a lot of things, but you can just tell. You can just see the gear spinning, and you tell the guy's got a, a great mind for what he's doing, and uh, I'm happy he's, he is where he is. Agreed. All right, well, next week, <laughs> I'm not going to say that we're going to do the fantasy booking We'll just see what happens. (laughs) But next week, you can be rest assured that it will be episode 302. And we will come to you at that time with whatever wrestling has in store for us. So until then, once again, thank you for listening, downloading and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments at Twitter at TWBPshow, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren. 